remain standing. And I just want to just take a moment to tell you about the Adairs. We have known them for, I don't know, 10 or 11 years, a long time. They're our very dear friends and they're family, really, to us. And uh, they teach at the, I keep wanting to say Rama, but that's where we went to school. I want to, uh, they teach at the Ramp in Alabama. God uses them so powerfully. I mean, they just preach the word with fire. And you are going to be so encouraged this morning. So just give a uh, warm clap to Jason and Mandy Adair. Mandy. Hi. It's so good to be with you all this morning. I was just going to say hi before Jason takes off. Y'all can be seated. Thank you. Um, I didn't get to come to, with Jason last year to Alaska, and that's because we have babies all over our house. We have a two-and-a-half-year-old, one-and-a-half-year-old, and we're expecting another one in May. And so for a minute, we're going to have three under three. So if just anybody feels led, I said to the ladies yesterday, to specifically just take the rest of, you know, three or four years and just pray for me and fast for me, I'll, I'll take it. So anyway, um, we're honored to be here. We love Casey in the vision of this house. Besides our own place where the Lord has planted us at the ramp, I don't know that there's any other group or vision that we connect to more than King's Chapel and cathedrals. It's like we love being with you. When we're with you, we feel kindred spirit. We share in the vision. We pray for the vision to come to pass. Um, Jason, like she just said, we've been coming uh, in him first for like 10 or 11 years and connecting to this vision and serving when we can and giving to it. We believe in it. So we're not just like random people who come. We just, we like to be with you. We feel like you're family to us and we're with you in this vision. So thank you for allowing us to be with you this morning. And I will just go ahead and let Jason take it from here. Thanks, honey. Not only are we connected here, but... uh, we are doing our best, and I believe the Lord's working it out. We have Dr. Morocco come through Alabama. Um, I'm going to send Prophet Jim LaFoon a big offering sometime because he is in Raleigh in North Carolina, and Dr. Morocco doesn't get over to the east side of the states very much, so uh, he comes over for Jim LaFoon, and I said, I'm going to pay Jim LaFoon to have you come because every time he comes for Jim LaFoon, he comes to Alabama. Yeah, so we're going to work this thing out, and I told him we're going to work it against him. He said, it's not convenient for me to come to Alabama. I said, but we need you. I didn't want to sound desperate or anything, but uh, we need you, Dr. Morocco. We, the, the church, the church world needs Dr. Morocco, his revelation, his wisdom, and, uh, you know, just what he does. And he, he comes to the ramp, and we give him three hours. The first time he came to the ramp, we gave him three hours. We have three morning sessions. We gave him all three hours. He took four and a half. And uh, we were not upset with that at all. We said, you know, some of them have to go to work, but we'll sit here and listen to you as long as you talk. He laid hands on everything that moved and cast out demons and everything else, and we had a whole brand new student body after he left. So this year we said, let's get him in a little earlier. Let's bring him in a little earlier. If he did so much good for us last time, let's not wait to the end of the year. Let's get him in on the early part. So, uh, Dr. Morocco, we're working on on some connection between the ramp and KC, which I believe will be a wonderful, wonderful uh, connection there that will enhance 
all of us, all of our lives will be enhanced by that. So, um, it's such a privilege to be at KC Wasilla. Last year I came, Mandy mentioned that, that I was able to come last year, and she didn't come, so we, I actually brought one of my friends with me that pastors up in uh, Minnesota, just north of Minneapolis, in a little town called Forest Lake. I don't mean little town. He's watching, so he's going to text me, little town, what do you mean little town? I'm from Hamilton. Mandy and I are from Hamilton. That's 3,000 people, so we have no right to call anybody else's town little. <laughs> we barely got a wall. Walmart, and when we did get a Walmart, they announced, Walmart announced that there's only one other Walmart that small in the whole world. Wow. So that's our claim to fame. We have, we, we have one of the smallest Walmarts ever built. <laughs> and uh, so there you have it. <laughs> so Mandy and I, just to give some of you an idea, because I'm, I'm sure you don't know, but years and years and years ago, before Pastor Daniel ever came and Pastor Karen ever came to KC Wasilla, I came. I came when, you had, when there was a different pastor here, and we did the Delta Junction thing, and then I went back to Kauai and held down the fort on Kauai while Pastor Daniel and Pastor Karen came up and tried out the church and loved it, and now they've been your pastor ever since. So I was here before your pastors were. <laughs> and I'm a young guy, so <laughs> and so are they, so are they. I was in my 20s when I first started coming, and someone mentioned to us uh, yesterday or whenever it was that it was so interesting to see Dr. Morocco uh, give me such leeway in the KC circles when I first started coming, and that was long before I was married, and Mandy and I actually on some of that trip or the next trip, we were dating, and I would preach in the tent on Kauai for Pastor Daniel, and I would leave my phone on the pulpit muted so that Mandy could hear it. She was going to school at the university in, on, on the uh, eastern part of, of Tennessee, so she was on the eastern time zone. So when she was getting up in the morning for the day to start, we were closing out the service. <laughs> <laughs> in Hawaii. So we dated by long distance telephone call and speakerphone, and she was in all those services on Kauai. It's pretty amazing. And now here we are in Alaska preaching together. And uh, take your Bibles if you would. I'm going to open to two passages of Scripture, and we'll try to tie these two verses together. The first verse will be found in Psalm chapter 92 and verse number 13, the 92nd division of the Psalms, verse number 13. And then we'll flip over to the New Testament to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 18. Psalm 92, 13, 1 Corinthians 12, 18. To give you a little bit of warning, as I said to the early service, I, I preach like a fat man caught in a barbed wire fence. A point here and a point there. So just uh, hang on and you'll get something out of the service, all right? Just... <laughs> Just hang on, and I believe God will say something to you through what we're saying. A point here and a point there. Now, some of you just had a visual of a fat man in a barbed wire fence, and I hope that man wasn't me. So, Psalm 92, you'll have to give that one to Pastor Daniel. Yeah, uh, right now, she's putting it, she's texting him. Psalm 92 and verse number 13. Are you there? 
Those of you that have your Bibles, I know it's on the screen. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Let's read it again. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Very interesting terminology that is used there. Those that are planted. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 18 says this, but now God has set them, set the members, each one of them in the body just as he pleased. Just as he pleased. Another translation, I believe it is the King James that says, as it pleases him, not as it pleases them. Those that be planted, the psalmist said, in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Those that are planted, but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body as it pleases him. You combine those two verses and you find this. Those that are planted in the body as it pleases the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Amen. When we read the Bible, and if you take a theology book, and, and uh, all of us are in church, so we are all interested in theology on some level, or we wouldn't be in church this morning because that's what theology is. Theology is uh, brought to us through preaching and teaching and through the study of the Word, and that's why we're here this morning, to feed the flock of God. So when we study theologically, we find that there are at least, at least 25 metaphors that the Bible uses to describe the church. There are at least 25 of them. There are more, but there are at least 25 of them. The Bible says that we are a flock. The Bible says we're an army. The Bible says we're a body. The Bible says we're a bride. The Bible says we're a building. The Bible says that we are a number of different things. Like I just said, there's 25 of them. We are sons of God. Amen. And uh, as I've as I said before, I'll say again. The scripture says that we the body of Christ are the bride and men get upset. How can men be a bride? The same way that Romans 8 says, they that are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. It doesn't say anything about daughters. So a daughter can be a son and a man can be a bride. And that's what leads us to another metaphor that is used in the New Testament concerning the church. And the scripture just calls it the mystery of the church. It is a mystery how we are in church in KC Wasilla in Alaska today and all over the world. People are joining together in the body of Christ in church all over the world, yet we make up one body. And John said in the book of the Revelation, they come from every tribe, every kindred, every tongue, and every nation. They are redeemed and they will stand before the throne of God in heaven. Isn't that exciting? That all over the world today, the blood of Jesus that saved you has saved millions and millions of people all over the planet. It is a mystery that we are one body and we will all end up in one heaven worshiping the same one redeemer. Everyone in heaven has the same testimony. You will not meet someone in, he in heaven that said, I got here through Allah. Amen. 
you will not meet someone in heaven that said, Buddha got me here. You will not meet someone in heaven that names any other false god and say, I got here through this. Now, Oprah wants us to believe that all religions go to heaven. But that's not what the Bible said, and it's not what Jesus said. Well, you got quiet on that, so that makes me a little bit nervous for you. There's only one way. His name is Jesus. And if you don't go through that one way, you don't go. Well, that's a little better, but not real good. There is one way. There is only one way. There has ever only been one way. There will not be another way. And the name that you call on that is the way is Jesus. He is the only one that could come to us in John 14 and say, I am the way. He did not say, I am a way. He didn't say, I know the way. Come on now. We send from our school, we send a lot of missionaries into India and Asia, and they have all these mystic religions. And they even believe that in Jesus' days, he went to India and learned how to be a spiritualist. Mandy made a tweet, sent a tweet out when we sent out a mission group to India we're praying that our mission students be light in a darkness, in a dark place. And that was, that was bad to them. And in a matter of three minutes, I got almost 30,000 tweets back telling me what I could do with Jesus. They think that all their other gods... So when you go to India and you preach because they have a million gods, they just lump Jesus in with another God. Jesus is not to be lumped in with another God. Jesus is not one of many. He's actually not even one of few. He is the one way. He is not a way. He is not among the ways. He is not to be lumped in with different ways. He is the only way. He is the only truth and he is the only life and he said no man goes to the Father except through me. Jesus is it. Jesus is it. You say brother that's narrow minded. Well it is narrow minded but it's true. (laughs) When you know the truth you can be somewhat narrow minded. Because I'm not open to another God. I am not bowing to a fat, half-naked man sitting outside the Chinese restaurant. Come on now. This is a Bible-believing church. I know that. I know KC Roots. I know that. And I hope to God there's nobody in this room that's got one of those stupid coexist stickers on your bumper either. Let's just coexist. Yeah, coexist with the... <laughs> this ain't part of my notes. How in the world are you going to coexist with the, with the terrorists of our day that while we're coexisting and being tolerant, they're putting a bomb together? No, we are light in a dark world. We are salt in the earth. And we ought to stand up for what we believe in and say, you know what? I know it's offensive. The cross is the most offensive thing that has ever been seen in humanity's history. The cross is offensive. It offends people. It hurts people's feelings. It probably hurt your feelings. 
at one time or another. And if it hasn't hurt your, your, your opinions and if it hasn't hurt your feelings yet, you really haven't had an encounter with it. Because the cross is, proved, is proof that everything that God wants to do in humanity cuts crossways to our convenience and our comfort and our ways of wanting everything to be done. <laughs> I know it's cold outside, but it, I'm going to heat it up in here. That's why the church needs to learn the name of Jesus again and use the name of Jesus. All this God talk lumps us in with every other religion that talks about a God. But our God has a name, and he's given a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. It's not at the name of God. When you talk about God on your job, everybody listening to you thinks about every other God. But when you make the name of Jesus the name of your God, you draw a line in the sand that changes everything about the way people think about you. The church is the hope of the world. The scripture says if the foundations be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? We need strong local churches in our communities just like this. We need strong local churches with strong individual believers that will stand in the face of adversity and will stand in the face of onslaught from the devil. Listen, it's not going to get much easier in the world. And if we always flake out because something hurt our feelings then we're never going to last when it really starts happening. Thank God for our Orthodox brothers and sisters that most Pentecostals and Charismatics don't even believe are born again. But thanks, thank God for our Catholic brothers and sisters over in Syria and Iraq and Iran that are facing ISIS and they are not bowing and they are not rejecting Jesus. Thank God for the 12-year-olds that they might go through catechism and they might be baptized as an infant in the Roman Catholic Church. But when ISIS puts an AK-47 to their head, they will not reject Jesus and accept Allah because there's something in them that knows I have received the truth and I will not bow even though you cut my head off or blow my brains out I have accepted the truth and I will not relent and if we in America think that's not coming here we've got another thought coming and the thing that, 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 that puts me on edge is the fact that we'll get our feelings hurt in church and we bail out of church and almost give up on God and almost turn atheist because somebody didn't shake our hand in a Sunday morning service. Yet that same individual will believe, yes, I will die as a martyr for Jesus. <laughs> We're so flesh-ruled. That at the thought of someone sticking a gun to our head, we'd go, oh my God, I don't, I don't know if I believe it or not. The church has got to be made up of strong individual believers that say, come hell or high water, this is who I am and this is what I believe. We have a knowing on the inside of us that has anchored us and rooted us into a deep place in God where we are not easily shaken. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Bill Heibel said, the church is the hope of the world. The church 
is the hope of the world. I believe that's exactly what Jesus would say concerning the church. The church is the hope of the world. Why? Because we are the real tangible vision of who Jesus is in our lives. We know that the old saint said, you are the only Bible some people will ever read. You are the only Jesus some people will ever meet. You are the only Bible some people will ever encounter. And when they encounter us, they need to leave us with no doubts in their mind, but that something transforming has happened to them because of an encounter with a man named Jesus. We're talking about strong local churches because we have strong individuals believers. Here's what the scripture said that we read. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Those that be planted. If I were to take a consensus in this room and say, how many of you want to be utter failures in life? How many of you want to live in your parents' basement for the rest of your life and die a fat, slobby-looking couch potato? I don't think many hands would go up. But if I were to ask you, how many of you want to flourish? How many of you want to prosper? How many of you want to live out Deuteronomy 28? The head and not the tail, above and not beneath. I mean, I believe hands would go up all over this room. We all want to prosper. We all want to flourish. Nobody wants to be a failure. As a matter of fact, just upstairs in the office, we were talking about being a failure, thinking that we're failures in preaching sometimes. And if you've never preached in front of Dr. James Morocco, you really don't know what it's like to have an opinion of failing in ministry in preaching. When he's sitting there with 15 doctorates and degrees after his name and he's listening to you preach and you're thinking, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. You have no idea what's going on in the mind of a preacher while they're preaching. You have no idea, especially when they look at the wrong faces at the wrong time. You're like, oh Jesus. (laughs) Oh Lord, hide the women and children because I'm about to beat myself to death with a microphone right here. Why am I even doing this? But no one knows what a failure (laughs) you might feel like. I I was preaching. I just shared this with Pastor Karen. When one of our first times of preaching in front of Dr. Morocco, I got finished preaching, and he stood up, and like a robot, he walked over to the right side of the sanctuary, and he planted his forehead against the wall. Bam. I freaked out. (laughs) He's over there up against the wall. I'm thinking, he is about to kill me. He is summonsing his power so that when he turns around, he is going to zap me. I don't know what happened. I was like, he didn't give me a thumbs up. There was, there's nothing. He just walked over and bam, throws his head against the wall. Well, that can't be a good sign. <laughs> Run around the building, roll on the floor like the old Pentecostals do something, but don't go slap your blam, bam your head against the wall. This can't be a good sign. Until I told some of the pastors, he put his head against the wall. They were like, he did? That's awesome. You did it. You really, I was like, I did it. What do you mean I did? I thought he was having a breakdown. <laughs> but they said that was his, that's how he prays, like in the service. Like I, my, so I took it as a positive thing. My preaching drove him to prayer. I was like, oh. (laughs) For good or ill, this can't be a bad thing. I'm helping the pastor to pray. (laughs) 
We've talked about our failures. We've talked about how we felt preaching in front of someone. But you don't give up. You don't ever throw in the towel and say, I'm never going to preach again. I'm never going to get in front of a crowd again. I'm never going to do this again. I'm never going to do that again. Why? Because we're not flesh ruled. We obey God. Everybody wants to flourish. And when you feel like a failure, you never want to get back up again. But the Bible says the righteous man falleth seven times, but he gets back up. That's the difference between the saint and the sinner. The saint falls and gets back up. He falls and he gets back up. He falls and he gets back up. There's no fault. There's no condemnation in falling. The condemnation comes when you lay in it and you waller around in it like a pig in the mud. You have to get back up and say, Woo, thank God I learned a lesson on that. I'm not going to do that again. God help me not to do that anymore. That was dumb, dumb, dumb. You ever just done something and went, whoa, you are really dumb. How can you be so dumb and keep breathing? <laughs> no, everybody wants to be a success. Everyone wants to flourish in the house of the Lord. But the only problem is the scripture precedes it by saying those that are planted. Planted in the church doesn't mean I have a church attendance. There's a difference between I attend church and being planted in the house of the Lord. Mandy and I, when we first got married, before we had kids, we decided Mandy had this idea. She was looking through some magazines, good Southern living magazines, you know, with all these women doing these things. What's that woman's name? Martha, Martha Stewart. You know, she's going to be Martha Stewart. She's going to be this homemaker. We're going to plant a garden. And uh, long story short, we're out there. I get this. I, I borrow this uh, tiller from a friend of mine that was made in 1978. I mean, it was an old thing. It was a monster. <laughs> I mean, it, it must have weighed 300 pounds. I mean, it, that, I was like, what have I done? I'm out there trying to start the thing. I'm pulling the rope. I'm trying not to curse. I'm trying not to cuss my wife. I'm trying to stay sanctified and holy. I'm like, what in the world am I doing? And then the thing started. I thought my trouble was all over. The thing finally started. I didn't realize my trouble had just begun. The thing started, and it started vibrating. I mean, it vibrated the house. I thought we was going to shake the windows out of the house. This thing, blah, 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 blah. Long story short, Mandy and I teach in a Bible school, and we had some delinquent students that had broken curfew the night before, and I caught them. And they drove by my house. I caught them, and they knew they were in trouble because I just gave them that look. When they drove by, that's all I did. They slunk down in their seat, you know, like they were melting into the floor. But so the next day, here I am. I'm with this tiller, and I'm out tilling the ground, and it's awful. And they drive up. These two delinquent students drive up that have broken curfew. They drive up, and they just wanted to tell me how sorry they were for breaking the rules. I said, you're not sorry for breaking the rules. You're sorry for getting caught. I know. And I said, anyway, don't apologize to me from the car window. Get out. You come over here. They, they were on their way to go shopping. They were all dressed to go to the mall. And I said, you come over here. I said, I not only believe in repentance, but suddenly I dip back into the Catholic roots and I say, I believe in penance. You're going to work this off. I said, while one of you, <laughs> we have pictures of it. I said, while one of you apologizes, the other will till my yard. <laughs> And they did. Those boys stood out there and they tilled my garden. They tilled the yard for me. Praise God. <laughs> 
And then Mandy and I, oh, we, I mean, we had been looking on the internet. We had been, we had been reading those magazines. Mandy was saying, we're about to save some money. We're going to grow our own crops. This is going to be awesome. Do you understand what this is going to be like? Fresh produce right out of the garden. I'm like, let's go, honey. We are going to tackle this. This is going to be great. <laughs> we got out there digging around in the garden, ran into, now I don't know about y'all up here, but in where we live, we are infested with fire. Ants, we're fighting. Mandy's yelling, I got fire anted. We look like we had the measles or the mumps or something, red bumps all over us. We're digging, there's all kinds of stuff. We plant all the seeds, and then I look back because I thought I had asked Mandy when we plant the seeds for corn and we plant the seeds for squash, we need to label the rows to know what is in the row that we just planted, and nobody did anything like that. So we're going back saying, I think I planted corn over here, and I think I planted some okra over over there and it was all wrong it was all wrong <laughs> and we planted it I mean when we got finished planting those seeds we were nasty planting is dirty work everybody wants to eat the good golden yellow uh, sweet corn that came up that you put the butter on and it runs out you look like some cartoon character eating you know like a typewriter but do you know what it takes to get it? It's the planting that guarantees the flourishing and the harvest. People want to come to church and flourish in church, but they don't ever want to get planted. They want to be used by God in many and mighty ways and wonderful ways in church, but they don't want to be consistent and they don't want to tithe regularly and they don't want to give offerings regularly. And anytime you tap them to volunteer for something, they always say no because there's always something else going on. Well, friend, you can't say you're planted in the house of the Lord and always saying no when the church needs your help. I know it's not glamorous. Well, I know, but they always just ask me if I will if I will shovel snow. I know it don't look glamorous right now, but they that are planted will flourish. It may not be that the planting process is the flourishing. You'd have to get planted in order to flourish. That's good preaching right there. Hallelujah. Yeah, I'll tell you when it is. I know when it's good preaching because I can feel it. It's more than church attendance. Well, I go to church. I'm not asking, do you go to church? I'm asking, are you planted? Are you planted in church? Do your roots go down into the soil of the church? Are you planted? Have you taken ownership of the church and certain things in the church? Like when you walk through and you see trash on the floor, you go, well, I wish the janitor would do his job. It's not always the janitor's job. You can reach down and pick up some trash. It's your church just like it's the janitor's church. Hey, watch it now. Watch it. I know it's tough. It's tight, but it's right. No, when you get planted... Planning is not a pretty process. You take that beautiful seed and you hold that thing up and, you know, we, we're in the south. We love some watermelon and we, we got those watermelons and they're pretty and they're shiny. And you look at that thing and as long as you just hold a watermelon seed in your hand, that's all you're going to have is a watermelon seed in your hand. But you got to go out into the dirt, the dirty dirt, the smelly dirt. 
And you got to dig open a little place there. And you got to plant that thing way down in it. And all of a sudden, all your beauty and all your prettiness of all those shiny little seeds are now covered up with dirt. But that atmosphere that it is planted into guarantees that later on in a couple of weeks, in a couple of months, you're going to go out and there ain't going to be a seed. There's going to be a vine. And on that vine, there's going to be some flourishing. There's going to be a harvest that you can reap from because you are willing to get dirty. You are willing to get dirty. We have a very well-known pastor friend, Pastor Robert Gabe. Y'all probably sing some of his songs. He, he was raised up under Prophet Bill Hammond, and he served there at uh, CI in Florida for years and years. And he knew that God had planted him in that ministry. And because he knew that God had planted him in that ministry, this is what he tells our students. He said, I never said no when anyone asked me to do anything. Even things I didn't know how to do, I learned how to do them because I loved the ministry. I loved the church, so I learned how to do it. So he began to, he began to organize music for the choir and for the, for the worship ministry and then they ask him would you like to lead the choir I've never led the choir would you like to lead the choir he said yes I'll lead the choir no one else is leading the choir that would be qualified so I'll lead the choir he began to lead the choir then he began to lead sing and then God began to give him hymns and began to give him songs that he just recorded something with Maranatha or one of these one of these big labels but it all started when he didn't have any equipment to do anything. He just kept, just like you sang in the choir, he just kept saying yes. He just kept saying yes. And every time he said yes, God opened that door for him and enabled and empowered him to do it. And he flourished in every area of his life. I'm preaching tonight because I started cleaning the carpets in my home church, cleaning the toilet when nobody else would. Now I get to go and preach in some of the most beautiful places in the entire world where somebody else is doing those things. But I was planted where I was planted. And I was dirty. That's what happens when you get planted. You get dirty. It's, it looks like a very, very dishonoring place when you get planted. Because you're covered over with dirt. Could you imagine listening to those seeds talk? Oh, we were so warm and cozy in, that, in the cupboard. We were so warm and cozy in our little packet in the drawer. And now look what they've done. They've drove us down into the ground. But you let them stay in that environment right uh, long enough. And there's going to come a harvest. There's going to come a harvest. I, I know people that when they go to another church, when they go to a local church, they expect the local church to bow down to them. And whatever they have, whatever they, they need, the whole church is supposed to bow down to them. That's not the way it works. You come. You get planted. I don't say attend. I said planted. Planted. It means you're going to have a look. You're going to have a season of time where you're overlooked. Where nobody's pulling on your gifts. They're not patting you on the back telling you how wonderful you are. But you're getting planted so that when they do call on your gift, it's ready to be brought to the forefront. And God can bless it and bless the people the way he's able to use you. 
This is what Paul said. Paul said, but now God has put people in the body as it pleased him. As it pleased who? As it pleased him. The head of the church puts us where, where he wants us. We call them in Alabama, we call them church hoppers. They go to one church, woo, they on fire for God. They love that church. Oh, I love this church. The praise and worship, mm, the praise of worship, so good. It's so good over there. Praise and worship. Well, why didn't you stay? Well, that preacher, when he got up to preach, you know, he said some things, and it just kind of hurt my feeling. Well, if you're going to run out of church every time somebody hurts your feelings, you, you might as well just stay home and cuddle yourself up in bed and turn your electrified blanket on and just lay there and just stay warm. Because everywhere you go, you're going to meet people. And everywhere you go, there's going to be attitude conflicts. And everywhere you go, there's going to be personality conflicts. And the church has got to be made up of people that can rise above our little differences and our little petty issues and say, you know what? I may not learn. I may not like your attitude. I may not like your personality, but we're one body with one Lord, and I love you, and I can get over it. <laughs> Come on, can you just say, get over it? Get over it. There are some things you can't get over, so you might as well get over it. <laughs> Chances are, no matter how many bad tweets or emails or no matter what bad stuff you say about this church on Facebook and on social media, it probably ain't going to change the church. You can come to Pastor Dan and tell him, I don't blah, 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 I don't blah, 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 blah. And he's just going to say, hmm. That's bad for you. <laughs> So you can either conform in love and learn how to be a body or you can go on back out and saddle up your horse, Lone Ranger, and take off out there on your own and die as an individual because we are called to be part of a body. The scripture says he places us in the body as it pleases him, not as it pleases us. If we all go to the church that we always like, we'll never change in the places where we need to change. God puts us in places that we don't like so that we can conform more to the image of Christ who can submit himself under authority. Even that's what submission is all about. It's not agreement. It is submission. Well, you know, I don't like this about the church, so I think I'm going to leave. No, you don't like that about the church, so you submit. We're not church hoppers. When you know you've been planted in a church by God, there's really nothing that can drive you away. When you know, Pastor Karen was telling us some of her testimony. She was raised in KC. She was raised in it. She, we talked about it last night, and I'm sure she don't, you know, through the years, things happen. And you have these thoughts. Well, maybe if we just go somewhere else, it'll be easier. If we just move somewhere else, that'll make it easier. We'll just do something else. But then you realize, I've been planted here. The only way I can flourish is to remain where I'm planted. Say, but brother, I, I've been here and I'm not flourishing. Are you really planted? But I go here. I'm not asking, do you go here? I'm not asking if you attend here. 
I'm not asking if this is your church. I'm asking, are you planted? I'm asking when the church needs help, where are you? Now, pastor's not here, so he didn't tell me to say any of this, all right? <laughs> but are you go get them. That, no. It's the same the world over. We have people who want to be used by God, but they won't do anything for God unless they get all the recognition. They want to flourish before they get planted. Well, if they'll use me, I'll be faithful. How about you be faithful, you'll get used. The reality is we really don't care how pretty your voice is until we know how faithful you are. Well, I work real well with children. You need to have something more than just a real well working with children. <laughs> you need to have some commitment. You need to have some holiness in your life. You need to have some integrity. You need to have some persistence. You need to have some consistency in your life so that when things get bad, you don't bail out on the kids. I'm preaching better than y'all are shouting right here in Wasilla. I'll guarantee you right now. I know it's the truth. The church is the hope of the world. For 40 years, they asked my spiritual father, Kenneth Hagin, they asked him, what's God doing in the earth today? And this is what he would say. He said it for 40 or 50 years. He said, what's God doing in the earth today? He's doing what he's always done. He's building strong local churches by building strong individual believers and teaching them how to flow with the Holy Ghost. That's what God's doing. He's building strong. What makes a strong local church? Strong individuals. What makes strong individuals? Listen, I'm going to go somewhere right here just for a minute. What makes strong individuals? Being unified with people in the church. That's why there's an expo outside of you getting planted and plugged into small groups. Small groups make, make powerful individuals. It is the unity one-on-one. -on -one. Jesus ratified the whole thing concerning the church in Matthew 18 when he said, where two or three will touch and agree on any one thing, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Why? Why did that change everything? Because the Jews believed that in order for there to be a synagogue, in order for, in order for God to do anything in the earth, there had to be at least 12 men present to carry out this governmental body. Jesus shows up in Matthew 18 and says, where two or three of you are gathered together in my name, I'm in the midst of you. In other words, he says, all those men with their beards and their, and their phylacteries hanging down, all those men making this government, making laws for the church and for the nation, if two of you get together in my name, two of you in my name is more powerful than 40 of them in Moses' name trying to make a law. You can get heaven to move when all they get is an earthly legislation. And what Jesus actually said there, he said, were any two of you, the Greek language most likely bears it out there, were any two of you. Do you know what that means? It means women. Women? Not women, Jesus. Not women. Could you imagine, Peter? Now, I was with you in the fishing thing. I was with you in the walking on the water thing. But women? 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 No, Jesus threw them all in. Any two of you, just like Pastor Karen said, kids gather together in his name, there I am in the midst of them. Women gather together in his name. There he is. <laughs> I hope you all know I'm, I'm just having fun. Even though in the church, women have a bad rap many times. Still, still today, still today. You know that, 
You know, Paul said women ought to keep silent. That ain't all Paul said about women. That's one thing he said about women. That's not all he said about women. But isn't it amazing that when it comes time to talk about women, that's all we know that Paul said about women. Even though that's not all he said, that is only one thing, but that's all we know about it. (laughs) He said a whole lot more about women. And Jesus said, any two of you can override the authority of the Pharisees through praying in my name. What is he saying? He's bringing the church to a personal level that the church is not a big worldwide organization. It can be two or three. It can be the home group. It can be the small group. It's the light at your house that causes heaven to move in this valley and see revival and change come right here in Wasilla. But you must be planted in order to flourish. You have to be planted. What does it mean? It means you got to get involved you got to get involved with what the church is doing. Don't be so busy that you can't enhance the church. You are the church. And we need as many strong individual believers as we can to make up this. Listen, the vision of KC, the vision of KC Wasilla, and the vision of KC Alaska is so big, every one of you are necessary. Every one of you has a place. And that's a, that's a wonderful part of what Peter said, that we are all stones put into a right-fitting place in the body. Hallelujah. Come on, let me pray for you a moment. Father, I thank you today for the word of God. Thank you that we are members of the body of Christ, members individually of your own body. Lord, thank you for the fact that you placed us here where we belong. And Lord, if we're here and we don't belong here, help us to get where we do belong. The greatest place that we could ever be in our lives, Lord, is in the center of your will. Help us to find that place and plant ourselves there so that we can flourish and please you. I thank you for this congregation. I ask your blessing upon them in Jesus' name. Amen. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, just another moment, let me ask you this question. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord, I want to pray with you. There is only one way to heaven. I started this service out talking about that, this sermon. I, there's only one way. There's only one way to heaven. There's not, a, there's not a plurality of ways. There is one way for you to get to heaven, and his name is Jesus. If you've never made him Lord of your life, and you want to make him Lord of your life today, you want to confess him as Lord of your life and be born again today, would you raise your hand? wherever you are in this room. I'm looking all over for for you. I'm looking for you. Is there one that says, Jason, I've never made Jesus Lord. I need to make him Lord today. Would you pray with me? Would you pray for me? I will. Just slip your hand up right wherever you are. I'm looking for you. Is there one? I've never made him Lord. I want to make him Lord today. I see that hand. Thank you. You can put it down. Is there another that will join that one? Is there another one? I want everyone to say this prayer with me. Everyone out loud. I want you to say when we say, Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, I believe in my heart. I believe in my heart. That Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe He was born of a virgin. Lived a perfect life. Lived a perfect life. And died for me. I believe I He rose from the dead on the third day. So I could be free. Jesus, Jesus. I call on you now to come free me, to save me from my sin. And I confess that you hear my prayer and you answer my prayer 
and I am saved now. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrificial death so I could be delivered. Thank you, Lord. I am saved. I am forgiven. I am washed in your blood. You are mine, and I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give a shout to the Lord as Pastor Karen comes. Amen. Ushers, would you come? We're going to take a moment to take a, an offering. If you'd just like to participate in that with, your, with an envelope, you can raise your hand. Otherwise, are we all set for the text to give? For, yeah, you can do text to give. So you text Casey Wasilla at... Two, two seven seven nine seven seven. Yeah, seven seven. There it is right there. <laughs> Amen. What a great word. Get planted in the house of the Lord. So afterwards, like I said, if you want, go out in that lobby, check out some things. If you're not planted, if you're not involved in ministry or small group, go ahead and check those things out, out there. Let the Lord speak to you. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the Adairs. We thank you for the way that you're, you're using them all over the nations. We thank you for their babies, God, and even the one to come. God, bless. Bless them. Continue to bless the work of their hands. Lord, we just thank you so much for that. And bless your people as they give. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead, ushers. want to be used by you. I want to be used by you. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. Today. So don't look me over. I'm waiting for you broken. I want to be used by you. I want to be used by I want to be used by you. So don't look me over. I'm waiting for you broken. I want to be used by you. Hallelujah. You know, when you preach a word like that, there's got to be a response. We thank you for your giving that enables us to keep going and and uh, keep feeding our kids because we keep having them. So thank you. <laughs> so thank you for that. But after a word like that, there's got to there, there there has to be a commitment. There has to be something because being planted is more again. And I want to drive this point home. It's more than church attendance. Being planted in the church means that you can have some weight put on you. That you're a weight carrier and not just weight. The church is moving forward. You're either helping push it forward or you're just dead weight standing there going, oh, this is good what God's doing in the church. <laughs> 
Well, that was a good service. Well, what did you do to enhance the service? Well, I was there. We need more than a, car a carcass, a warm body. We need people doing something. Amen. Amen. So if you're a visitor here this morning and this isn't your local church, then you go to wherever God's planted you and you stick in there. You let your roots go deep and you be there for that ministry. You be there for it. And if this is your home church, this is what we want you to do. Just as a, just as a sign, just as a symbol, this is, this is all it is. I'm just saying, if you want to be planted, I'm talking about planted, where flourishing will come. Planning comes first. You say, Jason, that's it. I want to be planted. I want my roots to go deep in KC, in KC Wasilla, in KC Worldwide. I want to be a part of what God's doing. I want to be a blessing. I want to be an enhancement to what God is doing. I want to be planted in this vision. I just want you to move out of the aisle. Come stand in the front. I want you to come. And your coming is just, it's just a sign of your commitment that I am committed to being planted. I'm committed to, to the vision. I'm committed to what God is doing through KC. I just want you to come. Just want you to come. And the thing is, you know, I don't know a lot of you, so if you don't come, I I can't condemn you anyway. Because <laughs> I, I just I don't know who you are. But being planted, you will flourish. Amen. And here's the question that you have to ask yourself. Why am I not flourishing? And the answer to that is, has got to be the answer to this question. Am I planted? Am I really planted? Am I really planted in the house of the Lord? Or is it just something I do? Is it just something that I attend? Is it just something that I was raised to go to church, so that's what I do? That doesn't mean you're planted. That just means you come. Being planted means you're, you're putting your roots in and you're saying, this is where I belong and I'm going to do whatever it takes to help move this vision forward and see God's best come to pass. Come on, lift your hands up right there where you are. Let's pray. I want you to pray for this house. I want you to pray for Pastor Daniel. Come on, I want you to pray for Pastor Karen. I want you to pray for the worship team. I want you to pray for the choir members. I want you to pray for the ushers. I want you to pray. There ought to be a roar coming out of you right now. I want you to roar in prayer over the vision. I want you to pray for Dr. Morocco. I want you to pray for Pastor Colleen. I want you to pray for the extensions. I want you to pray. If it don't move you, it don't move God, and it certainly don't move the devil. Lord, we're believing you for KC Alaska. We thank you for sending the Brackens. That they are the right people at the right time to move the vision. We pray for them that a door of utterance would be open concerning them. That they would step through that door of utterance and release the word of the Lord over this area to this state. For years he has been called the Alaska Revival. Lord, we're believing and we're asking you to intensify that, to come in a greater measure, to let the fire of God fall in a greater measure and let revival sweep from north, south, east, and west. 
Let those that are frozen in religion be thawed out by the fires of revival. Let the word of the Lord that is like a fire and like a hammer, let it come melt and break the rock into pieces. Lord, we're asking that you breathe on the vision of KC. Here at the end of the 1-2020, we're asking you, Lord, let this vision explode. Let it increase. Let it flourish. Let it prosper. And let it do it through people just like us who are committed to where you've planted us. Let great grace come upon everyone connected to this vision. Let great grace come upon those. Lord, the apostles prayed by stretching forth your hand to heal and that signs and wonders would be done by the name of your holy child, Jesus. And when they had finished praying, the place was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and great grace was upon them. Let great grace come upon us to accomplish the goal. Great grace, Lord. Lord, we like grace, but great grace is better. We're asking you for great grace. The God who does exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think. We commit ourselves, we consecrate ourselves to it today. We give ourselves wholly to your call. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a clap this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, let's go ahead and take someone by the hand as we close in prayer this morning. Don't miss tonight. And uh, he'll also be, Jason will also be with us on Wednesday night for Holy Ghost Night. So I want to encourage you. Let's just pray. Lord, I thank you for your people, God. And Lord, I pray that you would bless them, that you'd cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace today as they go in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen and amen. God bless you. Love y'all. Appreciate you. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we'll see you tonight.